right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We have Sam Silverstein, uh, who is an expert in accountability and organizational culture, who um, has written numerous books on accountability and driving engagement and productivity and creating you know, really um, wonderful organizational cultures through accountable leadership and accountability. So thank you so much, Sam, for being here with us. Oh, it's my honor. Thank you, Jennifer. Great. So I thought we could talk a little bit today about accountability, especially accountability under pressure, um, since you know there are so many different, uh, very difficult things going on simultaneously. And I'm hoping accountability can sort of be our focal point um, that sort of helps us interweave a number of these different discourses and oh um, you know that's near and dear to my heart that's for sure yeah so let's start with uh definition sort of setting the stage for what is accountability and i am a rhetoric person so i'm going to give you a little um activity or challenge so i'd like you to define accountability for somebody who hears that word you know like say a millennial worker and says Ugh, like I don't want to be held accountable to someone. I want to be my own person. So tell me what accountability really means. Okay. So like nobody wants to be held accountable. That's the whole point. And when, when a leader calls me up and says, I need you to come in and talk to my people and get them to be more accountable. I realize there's a problem, but the problem in the people, the problem usually is at the leadership level. And that is they don't understand what accountability is. And that's okay. Cause that, that can be easily fixed. People love when you help them be accountable. When you hold someone accountable, it's like putting a gun to their head. When you help them be accountable, it's like putting your arm around them and, and showing them that their success is paramount to you. So accountability and responsibility are two different things. Accountability is keeping your commitments to people. That's it keeping your commitments to people. Now, you're responsible for things, you're accountable to people. Accountability is built on relationships. Your job description, those are your responsibilities. The, the, the report that needs to get done, that's a responsibility. The trash you're supposed to take out, that's a responsibility. But accountability is keeping your commitments to people. And the commitments are not so much the spoken tactical commitments like I just shared, but rather the unspoken relational commitments. Wonderful. Thank you for clarifying. So, so yeah, there's so much in reframing that definition. It's not accountability. You know, I'm not holding you accountable or accountable to each other. So if you had a company bring you in and, you know, invite you to uh, share how to change the culture. So there is that focus. What might be, you know, one or two strategies that you would say are the most important or sort of the starting place to shift that culture so there is that mindset shift that perspective shift well it really is you nailed it there it is it's a shift in how you think so often people think accountability is what you do it's not a way of doing accountability is a way of thinking specifically it's how you think about people and so we have to start with that in mind one of the first things that we would do is we would use our accountability index which is the accountability assessment that we developed and we've been using for over 12 years, 20 languages, and we would get a pulse on what's going on inside the organizational culture. We'd come back with an accountability
accountability score. We'd know what was working and what wasn't. So it's not like a doctor trying to prescribe medicine before they uh, do the exam. But normally one of the things that, that we're going to zero in on is, is we're going to look at the, at the values of the organization because one of those relational commitments is, is a commitment to the values. Organizations are great at coming up with values. They're not great at living the values. We know how to help organizations live the values at all levels. And that's what has to happen. When that happens, things inside that culture are going to change and they're going to change quickly. So depending on where the company is, some organizations, we help them create a set of values from scratch. Some we take the values that they have and, and we do a values evaluation and make sure that they are a great set of values because values have to connect to four specific areas based on our research to be a great set of values. And then some companies have a great set of values and, and then it's about establishing those values. So depending on what that organization needs specific to them, we're gonna help them. But a lot of times it's gonna revolve around getting these values that people have spent time developing, getting them in all the people. Okay. Great, thanks. So I'm a company or I'm a leadership in a company who has established my values and I've, you know, clarified what my mission is. I know my purpose, but COVID happened, all these other things are going on. And so now the company's in flux, right? And I'm hearing this word, you know, pivot. How is pivoting, how could pivoting be conceived as an issue of accountability? Well, I mean, people are using the word a lot of times to talk about a change in direction of what they're doing. And, you know, my upcoming book, Pivot, by that title, is it's not so much about what you do, it's how you think. And this is the critical part. There's a bazillion books out there, Jennifer. I know you've seen them all um, that tell you how to do stuff. You, we don't need another book to tell you how to do something. What we need is a book that helps you understand a better way of thinking. Because if we change the way we think, then we'll change what, we'll, what we're going to do permanently. If we just try to change what we do, well, then eventually we're going to go back to the old ways. So in these times, in times of challenge, what, what our, our research and our working with clients around the world, what it has shown us is that the organizations that have established these key elements in creating a culture that inspires and prioritizes accountability, they thrive during these times. And the cultures that are struggling with that, that have not quite, they maybe they thought they hit the mark, but they hadn't quite hit the mark, they're struggling a lot more. So what we wanna do is help leadership pivot the way that they think, and then help the people in the organization pivot the way they think. Then, what we're going to get is a pivot in what they're doing. And then they're more, more readily uh, adaptable to changes in what's going on, both um, in the economic climate and in the social climate. Yeah. And I, I recently watched another interview of you. Well, not interview, but a, a podcast where you were talking with your friend, Mike. Um, I'm forgetting his na last name at the Mike moment. Mike Yeah. The Center for Respect. He's a great guy. Absolutely. He's all about respect. Right. Yeah, from the Center for Respect. And I um, I loved what he said about, um, you know, this is not bringing up issues so much as exposing issues. I think it was him who said that exposing the issues that are already in the company culture. And so this is a good opportunity to not only find new ways to innovate in the business, but also ways to recalibrate, uh, you know, the company culture. 
as well and figure out, you know, we can take the time now to diagnose issues that exist and find better ways of being as an organization before you're doing, you know, the innovative oh, things in the market. That's the idea. See, when, when tough times come, it immediately reveals which organizations are the strongest. And I'm not talking about strongest financially. What I'm talking about is they, they have the infrastructure through their people. You've heard, you know, we hear leaders all the time say, my people are my most valuable asset. Now, some of those leaders, it's just rhetoric. They say it, but they don't necessarily mean it. I had dinner with a leader once the night before I was supposed to speak to 550 of of his middle tier leaders. And I heard him the day before, it was a two day conference, I heard him say, you, you, the, you're our most valuable asset. And then that night at dinner, he looked at me and across the table and I'd spoken for him two times before that. He goes, Sam, you know, everyone in the room does not, most all people in the room, no one in the room has a college degree. Just give them two or three points and keep it simple. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's putting a governor on the situation. He's putting a glass ceiling on these people. He's making a determination of their ability based on the fact of whether or not they have a college degree. And so leaders, many times they say things, but they don't truly understand what they mean. Mm -hmm. if, if your people are your greatest asset, then we need to continuously develop our people, support our people, make sure they have the resources to be successful, understand that as a leader, their success is our number one responsibility and that we don't hold people accountable, that we help them be accountable. We do that by coming alongside. And in those organizations where leadership gets that, what I see is their, their, their willingness to change is unbelievable. Their creativity and innovation is off the chart. They have a tremendous relationships that have been built inside these organizations. They give better customer service. Their employees are more highly engaged. They're more productive and it shows up on the bottom line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody's looking for the magic bullet to drive employee engagement, you know, or, you know, the secret sauce and in many accountability ways, accountability. The magic bullet. that's the whole thing. It, but it's not magic. It, it It's not magic in how it works. It's it's you can replicate it. You can build it inside your organization. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So thinking more about ways to build it, um, especially in the circumstances right now, um, one of the sort of unique dynamics uh, that organizations are encountering right now is this large scale shift to remote work. And even though a number of organizations are, you know, returning people are returning to work and that's increasing, a number of people will stay working remotely. Um, and with that arise some concerns. Um, both on the side of leadership, worrying about how can I keep, and again, that, that view of how can I keep people accountable while working from home, even though we know that's not the right you know, framework, um, but also on the employee side of you know, feeling overly concerned about appearing accountable. So, so how can we encourage um, communication that will foster accountability and not an attitude of, I need to make this person accountable and I need to be accountable. Okay, so this all goes, when when someone brings me into an organization, if there's, and we do the assessment, and we see there's an accountability challenge, we know there's a relationship challenge. Because accountability is keeping your commitments to people. The better the relationship, the more likely you're gonna feel like I would not wanna let 
Bill down. I would not want to let Mary down. And so in what you're describing, um, if, if a leader is worried about what their people are doing at home, then for them, accountability is really a mechanism of that they use to try and manipulate people to do more. That's not what it's about. First of all, you know what your responsibilities are. And if you're not doing your responsibilities, you should be fired. It's that simple. Why would you let an employee stay that's not fulfilling their responsibilities? I mean, I'm assuming that you've trained them. They have the resources. They have the education they need. Um, they should get their job done. If they're not getting their job done, then leadership's responsibilities to come in quickly and go, okay, what's happening? Where have I let you down? Where, where am I not supporting you? In other, in, in other words, to get this done um, and, and, and isolate what those challenges are. When you come to someone that you're on their side, not that you're an adversarial relationship, but you want them to succeed. Well, then they'll tell you what's not working, what is working. And then you can solve those problems. The reality is, is that when people went home during this pandemic and started working from home, if you weren't used to working from home, that was a challenge. If you were used to working from home, it was still a challenge because now all the kids came home from school. So not only are you working from home, not only is your spouse working from home, but you have children and they could be, I'm not talking teenagers that can take care of themselves. It could be a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old. That, that need attention, need help. They're doing homeschooling. Now, the leader that's only looking at the bottom line, what are you getting done? How quick are you getting it done? Um, you know, as one of my clients said, it's business as usual, but we're working from home. And I said, no, it's not business as usual. You are working from home, but it's different. People are going to work different hours. And to expect the same level of productivity in this time is not realistic. Let's not put that undue pressure on our people. And we talked through all of this. So when you as a leader understand that people are human beings, they have needs and that their family is more important than, than your business and you treat them that way, then they will react in a way to where they'll bust their butt. They don't want to let you down. They'll take care of their kids, but you know what? And when the kids go to bed at night, they'll get back in front of that computer. They'll work another two or three hours. They'll get things done. Those are the types of people that you want in your organization, but you create that in how you treat them as a leader. Mm. Accountability is keeping your commitments to people. These commitments are relational commitments, commitments like a commitment to live the values, a commitment to stand by you when all hell breaks loose. That's what this pandemic is, a commitment to the truth, a commitment to a great reputation. These are things that build relationships. And when leadership takes the time to build amazing relationships, they get an amazing culture and they get an amazing group of people that will go through a brick wall on behalf of the leader. I always say every leader in their organization has the culture they deserve. The culture is the byproduct of how they think about, see, and treat their people. Yeah, and thank Sorry, you. I'm not very passionate about this, am I, Jim? <laughs> it comes across as a little bit. No, it's great. I mean, it's great. and. Thinking more about that relational commitment to stand strong or to stand with you when all hell breaks loose, as you mentioned, that's a particularly um, resonant one right now. Uh, what does that look like for an organization who is struggling, like a small business, say, who's struggling economically and you know doesn't want to, you know, furlough or let go of their workers, but who's facing very difficult times? Does, does the conversation about that? 
uh, relational commitment shift at all? So when you really care about people, you see them and you treat them differently. Because when you care about someone, you, you, you realize, oh my gosh, she has a family. They're dependent upon her income. Um, uh, they, 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 you know that they're going through things because you go through things as a human being. And so you communicate with them. You're open, honest, you're transparent, you're upfront. You don't wait to the last second and then go, oh, by the way, it's 530. You know, don't just have a nice evening. Have a nice life because you don't have a job anymore because you were worried if you told them last week you were going to have to let them off this week that they wouldn't even show up. No, if you build the right relationships with people, they're going to show up. They're going to show up for you because they know you're being honest and forthright and that you care about them and that it breaks your heart to have to let somebody go but you have to do it or the business is going to go under. Or maybe everyone decides, you know what? Don't let Jim go. Let's all cut our hours by five hours each and then let Jim stay and we'll all stay and, and work a few hours less each. These are the kinds of reactions and attitudes you get when you build serious relationships with people. But if people are just there to to, to work and they're just a, a I'm an employee number, well, you know, they're not going to, they don't own, they don't own what's going on. They're not going to respond in a positive way. I say you have to com communicate up front, communicate often. As a leader, your responsibility is the success of your people. And if your people feel that you really care about them, then, then you're doing a great job. But if they don't feel like you care about them as individuals and human beings, you're probably not being a great leader. Yeah, and there have just been so many wonderful examples of accountability and action lately. I know you write about a number of them on your blog and talk about them in your podcast, I Am Accountable. Uh, I would love to share in a couple examples, um, sure. not even just specific examples, but uh, I know, you know, at the university level, obviously a lot of universities are facing sharp budget constrictions because of everything. Um, and, you know, there have been departments and universities where top down, you know, the president has agreed to take a salary reduction, a substantial one, and then they've done tiered, you know, salary reductions. But everybody has come together and said, okay, this is the amount that I'm willing to, to take off my pay so that other people don't get let go. And that's just the culture in exactly. those organizations. So, it's an amazing. So that, yeah. You know, that Jennifer, that can show up multiple ways. Now, let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. the, the CEO or the president of the university that goes, um, okay, we'll just all take a 10% salary cut. Well, that's nice. Mm -hmm. But guess what? This, the president of the university is earning seven figures. The president of the university should take a 50% salary cut, a 75% salary cut. Should say, you know what? For the next six months until we reevaluate, I'm not taking a salary at all because I want to keep every possible employee employed and working that I can keep employed. And you might say, well, that's not her responsibility or his responsibility. You bet it is. And that's the difference between an accountable leader and then someone else who's just performing a job. And it's those special leaders that are out there. And I see them all the time, but they're few and far between. But I do see them all the time. They create amazing organizations and they get amazing results, not just in the good times, but in the tough times when the economy is in the tank, they are setting records for bottom line profits. They're growing their organizations. And that's because they took care of their people always, not just when times got tough.
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also back to your conversation about, you know, open communication and transparency. And for me, you know, every time I read, um, when, I, when I read your books, I think transparency just keeps coming across, you know, open dialogue, open lines of communication. And, I, and that is such a huge value for millennials. And, you know, millennials are increasingly occupying high positions of leadership now. Um, so I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on how accountability is, you know, is something that will become, that is very, very useful to this new rising generation of leaders. How can they um, employ it to, you know, um, drive their growth and their organization's growth? So we have an accountability, we have an individual accountability assessment and it's free. It takes two minutes to take. It's a, it's available at amiaccountable.com. And I suggest that people take that and, and see where you are on, on the scale. And the goal is, is to build an accountable life first as an individual. It, it, it's like throwing a rock in a pond and, and the concentric circles that cascade out to the other shores. It starts here. It starts with us. And so we need to be accountable first. We need to build accountability in our life. We need to build accountability in our families. And then and then the next step is we build accountability in our organization or we build accountability in our community or hopefully both. And as you build accountability in the organization by setting the right example, by by keeping these relational commitments with people, then what happens is you create an organization that you're not only impacting the people that work there, but when you create an amazing culture in an organization, you're, you're impacting the community, you're impacting the families of the people that work there their spouses are being impacted. And so no matter what age you are, but certainly, you know, we look today at millennials that are, they are the leaders today. And it's critical that, that everyone, regardless of what generation you're in, has adopted a, a philosophy that I'm going to be accountable. I expect the people around me to be accountable. I'm going to help them be accountable. And if I slip up, I'm open to them helping me be accountable. And when you adopt that mindset, then everybody wins. Everybody wins. And these amazing companies that have these amazing corporate cultures where accountability is inspired and prioritized. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard spouses say, my husband is a, is a better husband because he's worked here. My wife is, is, is a better person because she's worked here. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it's about. Build that into your organization. Make your organization a place that people are better because they are associated with that organization. And then whatever your product or service is that, that you sell, you'll sell more of it than you know what to do with. But, you know, you mentioned something earlier. It's you have to not just be in touch with what it is you value. You have to be in touch with your purpose. And when you align your accountability with your purpose and your values, then it really starts to get supercharged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and you brought up the point of directionality of accountability, sort of what direction it moves in. And I was wondering, you know, it, it you write about and I am accountable, how it can start with the individual and shift to the organization and spread, you know, to the larger world, sort of in a ripple effect. Um, but how you were talking about it as well, you were talking about it moving in the other direction as well from the organizational level you know, to the individual level as well. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, uh, but also, you know, do you think that there are societal 
transformations that need to happen, you know, not just politically, but, you know, just thinking about sort of how the culture society needs to shift in order for this to be possible? Or is this really something that individually, you know, we can take action on and create you know, large scale change? There are societal changes that need to be taken and there are political changes that need to be taken. Um, they're all connected. It goes back to politicians or people. Um, every, you know, the, the, the people that pick up your garbage, they're people. Uh, the, the person that checks you out of the grocery store, they're people. It's all people, no matter what it is. And so when people are off track, then wherever they go to work, whatever job they perform, whatever slot in society they fill in, that's off track. And it's, it's really simple. And so one of the commitments, these 10 commitments of accountability is a commitment to the truth. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself, you know, and, and are you committed to the truth? Well, then I'm going to say, you know, what's the definition of a commitment? So one of my books is, as you know, is, is titled No Matter What. That's a commitment, no matter what. That There's no gray area there. It's, it's not, well, you know, if, if, if we benefit from telling a little white lie, we're going to tell. No, if you're committed, it's no matter what. And if you don't tell the truth 100% of the time, you're a liar. That's it. You're a liar. Mm -hmm. So in your life and in my life, are we committed to the truth? Do the people around us know that we're committed to the truth? Do the people that we report to in our lives, are they committed to the truth? And, and maybe it's a spouse. And so it's not so much that we report to them. We have a, a partnership relationship, maybe on a job. We report to somebody. Are they committed to the truth? Are our leaders committed to the truth? And there's no acceptable, um, there's no acceptable reason to accept lying. And if our leaders are lying, whether they're politicians, whether they're in the corporate world, whether they're in the public sector, whether they're the presidents of the universities, now, I don't care what leadership position they hold. If they're lying, they should not hold a leadership position because they're not an accountable leader. Mm -hmm. And so all of us have the ability to shape the society we live in. My mission is to build a more accountable world. That's what my mission is. It starts with me. I have to live an accountable life first. Then I have to inspire the people around me. How do I do that? Well, hopefully I do that as, as an author and as a speaker. I have a platform and I share that message. But as a husband, um, as a father, as as a member of a of a of a of a synagogue, as uh, as someone who votes in the community, as someone who walks into the grocery store and interacts with people, am I living an accountable life? Because I have the ability to impact people. You have the ability to impact people. Anytime we interact with another human being, we have to set a positive example. We have to embrace and bring people into our lives who are also setting a positive example. And then we either share a message with the ones that aren't about how they could be better. And if they don't react, we don't need them in our lives. I spend my time with people who keep these commitments. Mm -hmm. I don't spend my time with people who are not accountable. It, it, it's, it's not fruitful. I'm not going to reward that. So right. I want to surround myself with people like you who care, who want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. When we build networks like that, we change the world. Yeah, there cannot be a public accountability and a private, you know, other 
itself that just doesn't absolutely work. you know the conversation the conversation we have the way we talk at the dinner table needs to be the way that we talk at the board table mm-hmm. and if it, at the dinner table you love your kids and and your spouse and you look out for them and you care for them and you want the best for them and then you go to work and the people that are around you there you don't care for them love them and want the best for them that there's a gap there you just fell into an accountability gap mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we would be acting the same way throughout our life you say well those are my kids the people at work aren't my kids no but you're dependent upon each other and if you're a leader you're not a leader because you got the parking spot in the office you're a leader because you said i'm willing to be responsible for the success of everyone that i lead that's what leadership is yeah and it feels too like so much of this comes down to recognizing each other's humanity you know stop going through all of the routines but just that fundamental respect and concern and care and empathy for exactly that's yeah. see, th- you nailed it Re- it's recognizing and respecting everyone's humanity and that means you and i do not have to believe the same thing mm-hmm. we don't look you go to church if you sit down in the pew at church and you look to your left and look to your right and you see people i guarantee you those people do not think or believe the same thing that you do there is differences all the way down the line but where we can come together is on a set of values mm-hmm. and we can respect each other's differences and uniqueness and we really care about people and value people then we are taking the steps we need to be taking to build an accountable life as an individual yeah. build accountable organizations build an accountable family and work to build an accountable community and world great thanks all right so i have one last question and i saved the hardest one for last so what's for dinner <laughs> no um so i'm wondering about the relational commitment it's all of us and how you can reconcile that with you know basically hustling your publisher at ping pong and completely embarrassing them in a ping pong match without them knowing that you were so much better at ping pong than they than they were. Well, see, what it comes down to is first of all, are you getting a good workout on your Peloton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we have two backstories going here. And here's how it works with your publisher. <sighs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to catch somebody by surprise and let them know that maybe there's something there they didn't expect, but yeah. <laughs> do it with love and respect. All right. So, Sam, thank you so much for being with us. Um, his latest book that's been out is I Am Accountable, 10 Choices That Create Deeper Meaning in Your Life, Your Organization and your world, definitely get a copy. Um, He's also the author of numerous other books on accountability. Yes, uh, the Accountability Circle forthcoming. Um, Yep, this is the advanced reader copy. It's beautiful, beautiful. And um, numerous other books that line probably this whole side of the bookshelf, including uh, No More Excuses, No Matter What, The Success Model, and many others. And Sam, I'd like just a word about your uh, online community pivot, if you'd like to share a little bit about that. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And um, if you take the assessment, the, the accountability assessment at Am I Accountable, you'll get information or you can just register at, at Pivot Me Now. And what Pivot is, it's a community of, of values-based leaders. And it's a course where we're working through really identifying what it is that we believe and our values to live our values um, recognizing what our purpose and our mission is, looking at what it is that we focus on, whether it's things we control or don't control, and what are we committed to. And when we answer these critical questions, we build a foundation of accountability in our life and in our business. And so it's an ongoing for community of, like I said, values-based leaders that want to make sure they're living their values, building successful teams, and creating the life that they deserve and, the, and that they're working towards. Great, thanks. So that they can find that at pivotmenow.com is where they should Absolutely. start with the assessment. Great. Well, thank you so much again, Sam, for being here and having some tough conversations with us about a really crucial um, core element here. So thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. Mm -hmm.